O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts always be acceptable in thy sight. For thou art our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this Wednesday we entered into the liturgical season, the the season in the church calendar of Lent, and uh, I doubt you missed it, right? It's hard to miss that we're entering Lent when we replace um, the opening hymn with silence and the great litany. Um, But it's only fitting and, and right that we do that because we're lifting up ourselves, our nation, our souls, our congregation, our leaders, to God. And during the season of Lent, we focus on particularly a few things. I want to read for you, for those that uh, missed Ash Wednesday, the call to Lent out of the Book of Common Prayer, because I think it's a beautiful thing. Dear people of God, the first Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection, And it became the custom of the church to prepare for them by a season of penitence and fasting. The season of Lent provided a time in which converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when those who, because of notorious sins, had been separated from the body of the faithful, were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to the fellowship of the church. In this manner, the whole congregation was put in mind of the message of pardon and absolution set forth in the gospel of our Savior and of the need that all Christians continually have to renew our repentance and faith. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church to the observance of a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance by prayer and fasting and almsgiving and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. The next four weeks, we're going to be going through four points broken out of that invitation. Self-examination and repentance, prayer and fasting, almsgiving, and reading and meditating on God's holy word. The season's special in the time of the church because we as human beings need to set aside certain times to do certain things. We see it in the secular world. We see it in the sacred world. We see it in the liturgical year. And during Lent particularly, we look at these things. It's not that we ought not to look and reflect and search our hearts the rest of the year. That's not the point. But just as we celebrate Jesus coming to us at Christmas... So in Lent, we turn to ourselves in order to turn ourselves to God. So let's begin. The first point in that invitation was self-examination. Socrates, the philosopher from Greece, famously said, the unexamined life is not worth living. The unexamined life is not worth living. The full quote is actually this. You hear me talking and examining myself and others is the greatest good to man. And that the unexamined life is not worth living. 
you will, be, you will believe me still less. This I say, gentlemen, but it is not easy to convince you. And Socrates said that, actually, before his tribunal, before his court. This was said during the uh, apology, if you ever want to look it up. The apology means the defense. And so Socrates is looking his court in the eye and saying, the unexamined life is not worth living. He truly and deeply believes this. That's the content of the quote. So much so that he would go to his death, actually, convicted by that same court for, of all things, being impious. The unexamined life is not worth living. And so the church agrees with this ancient pagan philosopher, or rather this ancient pagan philosopher agrees with the church. Lent is a time for self-reflection. The fact is that we need it. We need it. We roll along in life, don't we? Think about your life. You roll along in it, not examining much of anything. It's probably routine, habit, driven by desire, impulse, external pressure, all sorts of influences rather than self-examination. You know, in that early confession that we read from the old prayer book, it says that we're to lead a sober life, right? But it's not sobriety in the sense of someone abstaining from alcohol. It's sobriety in the older sense of the word, meaning a rational life, a life that's self-examined in light of God. We confess that because we don't do that. That's why it's part of the confession. And today, maybe more than any other day, I'm not sure, at least in other ways, our culture is a distraction Distraction's the name of the game, actually. We may now be in the generation that reads the most and reflects the least. Reading the most and reflecting the least. Just think about how much you access your phone. Reading the most, reflecting the least. Being driven by half-truths, by memes, by half-baked ideas. As Christians, we're called to self-examination. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, this is the common theme. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 39 says, Why should a living man complain, a man about the punishment of his sins? Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. That's that word, that examination. Let us test, it can be translated, and examine our ways and return to the Lord. And we're called to examine ourselves weekly in the liturgy, a confession before receiving Holy Communion. Every week, we say, at the end of the prayers of the people, or like today, at the, at the end of the great litany. And that's also in keeping with Scripture. St. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, but a man must examine himself and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Or I like how the New Living Translation puts it, this is why a man should look at his own heart and life before eating the bread and drinking from the cup. To look at one's self, one's heart, one's life, to examine oneself. 
The Greek word here is actually dokimatsu, meaning to test, to examine, to prove, to scrutinize, to see whether a thing is genuine or not. It's actually the same word that's used in ancient Greek to describe one testing metal, right? So you've all probably seen this in movies or TV shows, right? You've got to test whether the gold is real. And so you take the gold and, and you put it on the scale. And then you take the proper amount of weight on the other side. Or sometimes they use a chemical test, right? It's that idea. That's what this word means. To test oneself to look at oneself, to strip the veneer away and look deep down within us. It's in addition to being commanded, of course, why should Christians do this? What are we looking for? Well, the answer can be found also in the confession on page five, that we all have erred and that's actually the proper pronunciation, erred, I was informed by a bishop the other day, erred and strayed from thy ways, but erred is the same root as error, that we've all strayed from thy ways, God's ways, and why? We've followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts, the problems in us, not out there, although the problem's out there too because it's in everybody else, but the confession is just also quoting Psalm 81, which says, and this is the Lord speaking, but my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own devices. It's the natural way we go when we don't examine ourselves. Even a non-Jew like Socrates, living some 300 years before Christ could see it. We tend away from God. We tend away from the truth. We suppress it. So self-examination, while painful, often reveals to us who we really are. And it's not pleasant, friends. That's why some people think Lent is so negative and and, and bad, uh, but it's not that we are beating ourselves up. It's that we're digging with a purpose, that we're examining with a purpose to look for patterns and habits that are not of the Lord. And then when we do that, we can look at our habits and patterns and judge them in accordance with God's law. How am I not being faithful? You see, Lent's not about beating yourself up for the sake of beating yourself up. It's not about denial or giving things up for the sake of giving things up. Denial can be part of it, denying things that we ought not to have. It can go something like this. Let's say I'd like to have such and such or do such an action. And my desire, my passion moves me and says I should have it. My mind weighs whether I ought to have it. That is whether it's morally right to do so or not. And often it's not because it is for my eternal good that I want to do that thing, right? 
often it's for a temporary good, to feel pleasure or at least to not feel pain. But it's not in alignment with God's word. Now, there's a real conflict within my soul when that happens. I really want fill in the blank. But I know that in doing so, I'd be wrong. And now I make a choice. Will I choose rightly? Will I choose wrongly? You and I do that from the moment we get up to the moment we go to bed. Will we choose rightly or wrongly? The war goes on in ourselves. St. Paul speaks of this in Romans. Our lives are a series of those choices. And short of self-examination, we can go down roads that we would never dream ourselves going down. But self-examination stops us along the path and checks us and asks us, do you really want to continue down this way? The second part of this sermon and of that part of the invitation to Lent is repentance. What's the first step in repentance? Anybody? What's the first step in repentance? Confession, yeah. But let's go, actually, it kind of overlaps, but even before that, acknowledging your sin, full stop, stop. Repentance from the Greek word metaneo literally means to do a U-turn. But to do a U-turn, you have to quit going this way so that you can turn and go this way. Full stop. That's what the psalmist is struggling with today, isn't he? Did you catch it? Did you look at the psalm? Look with me at Psalm 25 that we sang. Can I borrow yours? I think I left mine on the pulpit. <laughs> I don't know it by heart. Look with me at Psalm 25. What's the psalmist struggling with in verses 3 and 4? Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me into your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. In you I have trusted all the day long. That's not just throwaway language there. What's the psalmist saying? He's crying out to God for direction. Is it just to lead a moral life, though? Is it just to do what's right out of ignorance? Does the psalmist not know that what he's doing is wrong? I don't think so. Look at verse 5. Remember, O Lord, the compassion, your compassion and love, for they are from everlasting. Do you see what's going on here? This is a heartfelt appeal to God's eternal compassion and love. Why? Because the psalmist knows what he's doing is wrong and is doing it anyway. You see, self-examination, knowledge is not enough. That won't get you over the hurdle. You can know what's right and wrong, but let's be honest, we do it anyway, all the time. It's not a matter of ignorance that we act out of. And the psalmist is crying out because he doesn't know, not that he doesn't know what the moral law is, or that he doesn't know what he's to take on or deny himself. He's crying out 
about what? Sin. His sin. The, the, it says here in verse 6, Remember not the sins of my youth and my transgressions. Remember me according to your love and for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Do you see that? We didn't sing it this morning, but I invite you to, in, in the bulletin, jump down further to verses 15 through 17. Look at the psalmist. He continues. This is on the, the blue insert there. Turn to me and have pity on me, verses 15 says, for I am left alone and in misery. Do you see that? Verse 16, the sorrows of my heart have increased. Bring me out of my troubles. Verse 17, look upon my adversity and misery and forgive me all my sin. Do you see what's going on here? It's a cry for mercy after self-examination. Repentance is very different than just denying oneself. Because denial alone is not what Lent is about. You don't get a gold star because you cease to do something you ought not to be doing in the first place. It's like saying, I think I'll give up adultery for Lent. Boy, pat me on the back. No, if I'm not supposed to be doing that in the first place, giving that up has no merits. Although I would commend it if you're indulging in it. <laughs> give, give that up. But if we give up our sin, we give it up during Lent because we love God more. And we are able to love God more because of what he's done for us and because of what he's put inside of us. Finally, we get to the last point. What is the truth of our nature? Why is it that Mark put, that the lectionary put, puts the gospel of Mark chapter 1 verse 9 here on the first Sunday of Lent? Is it just coincidence? Is it just coincidence? Did you catch the other theme of this morning's readings? If you were to say it's not just about being repentant, what else is the common theme? What happens to Jesus before he goes into the wilderness? Yeah, he's baptized. Do you see that? He's baptized by John. And what's going on in the Old Testament with Noah? Noah going through the waters is actually a prefigurement of baptism and covenant. Do you see that? And what does Peter say about it? Because Peter addresses that specifically. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, there in the epistle reading. Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, verse 21, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we enter into the season of Lent, it is crucial, friends, that you remember your baptism. Otherwise, denial, fasting, taking on disciplines can make you worse. It can make you worse if it's not rooted 
in your identity in Christ, in the solidness that you have been washed clean by baptism in Jesus, and that you are forever part of that covenant relationship with God because of that. Why is it that we can go into denial and fasting and self-examination and come out the other end and not just off ourselves out of despair? Because Christ has redeemed you. You see, you and I enter into Lent, into these disciplines, because we love Jesus, not to please him, not to somehow make ourselves acceptable to God, but because he has made us acceptable before God, and therefore we turn around and we say, thank you, Lord, how can I get closer to you? How can I get closer to you? Don't give stuff up. Don't deny yourself if you're just doing it to do it. That, that's not the point. Or if you're just doing it to, to, to make a better habit or to build discipline, that's not the point. Do it to become closer to Jesus Christ who loved you and gave himself for you. As St. Chrysostom says so eloquently, commenting on the Mark passage, in this case, the dove appeared pointing to our deliverer from all evils, bringing hope filled with grace. For the dove that descended at baptism does not simply lead one family out of the ark, but the whole world towards heaven. That's why we do this. Amen.